0: The Forum at 8 on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them.
1: We've spoken a lot about what the demands are, what students are calling for, but how do we now move this forward? What are the solutions to the current impasse? And hoping to speak to several people this morning, uh, we have uh, Bishop Joe Sioka um, and we spoke to him earlier on. He is at Wits University. We also spoke to Sharona Patel, the spokesperson of Wits University, earlier saying that as far as the institution is concerned, uh, they expect uh, classes to resume. She did indicate that the first lecture this morning was at 8 o'clock, so it would be interesting to know whether uh, that class, or uh, those classes actually resumed. And then um, we also have uh, Professor Noor uh, niftah from the Witt School of Social Sciences will join us, along with Bishop Josioka, and uh, we'll also speak to Eleanor Deploy, uh project leader of the Ashley Creel Youth Program, which is part of the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation, about what is going on, because uh, IJR, the Institute for Justice and uh, Reconciliation, says that it's it a Supports equal access to education in South Africa. So we'd love to hear from you as well. You may as well join the conversation. 34701 is our SMS line number, Twitter, Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM, or you can call us. The lines are open 0891 to tell us what you think is the solution? How do we move forward uh, with this particular situation? And um, Bishop Josioka, who is at Wits University and who has been uh, there with a group of other people trying to intervene and find solutions to the current problems, joins us uh, from Wits University right now. Bishop, good morning and thanks for your time.
2: Good morning,
1: Satyana. Bishop, I know you've been very busy. Um, You know, last week uh, you've spent a countless number of hours deep into the morning on several occasions trying to broker some sort of deal between the students, student leadership and um, uh, the administration at Wits University. Talk to us a little about that, but also what is the way forward for this morning?
2: Thank you for asking. I think that uh, it is um, proper to say that we are in a, uh, a stalemate state situation and that the uh, university is adamant it's going to go on with the uh, academic uh, program, while the students say, no, we are going to, to close the university until such time that the um, issue of um, free education is addressed. And so the real uh, issue here is lack of uh, communication and understanding of each other's position. Because the university does agree on fees must fall as the students are coupling on and um there is still made because everybody wants position to be uh, taken seriously. So what I think should happen and I think that the society should put pressure on the government to make announcements, because the key really is with the president of this country. It's not with the university. Universities can't kind afford of to uh, prescribe fees, uh, but the government is the only institution that is able to say, well, this is what we are going to do to alleviate these uh, most fees. And so uh, until such time uh, that the government's next announcement, we're going to see a very difficult situations to deal with
1: so uh, listening to what you've said and and saying that this uh, the the situation that the, the solution to this particular situation lies not with the institutions of higher education but with government and and that government and president jacob zuma in particular should be making pronouncements on this um what do the students have to say about that because they have taken this fight to the institutions Well,
2: they agree that's what they really want they want university chancellor to uh come out clearly on a public platform and say we support this cause and uh third university to put pressure to bear on the government to um, make the announcement of what action they're going to take um, to um crush the fees.
1: So so basically they want the institutions to join their fight and strengthen their hand in taking this message to the seat of government.
2: Absolutely. They believe that if the universities are closed uh, countrywide, the government would have no choice but to uh, make pronouncements. And uh, um, the uh, chancellors and faculty members should join the struggle of the workers. There are some uh, professors who have come out very clearly and joined the students, but they believe that the vice-chancellors must be the ones that make a decision to make that call um, to the government together with the students themselves.
1: So, interestingly, if they are agreed on that point, what they are obviously not agreed on then is whether uh, they should go back to class now or whether they want the institutions to join their hand right now. Um, If that doesn't happen now, what are the institutions saying? What is Wits University saying will be the way forward? At what point then will they join forces with these students in bringing pressure to bear on government?
2: Look, there was a meeting until uh, about 1 a.m. Um, this morning between the mediators and the university. The university is adamant they want to continue with the academic progress. We are also saying we don't want to lose 2016. We must save this academic year because there is a lot at stake. Those who are to graduate and go to the field and those who are going to enter invest next year are jeopardized. And therefore, uh, the, the issue really is a strategy. What is the best way of going forward? Universities say, look, let's uh, open our classrooms and get teaching going. Children says, no, close the school. Uh, that's the only language that the government will, will hear and understand.
1: So from where you are standing, and you've been um, very involved in this entire process at Wits University, especially uh, Bishop Sioka, what do you think would be the best way to proceed?
2: Well, the best way to proceed is really to open the doors of learning, because that's what the government has committed itself to. By uh, making self-pronouncements, I think that if they make some concession, the negotiations can go on while the classes are open. I mean, losing 2016 uh, academic year will be a big loss for this country, for the students, for the parents, and for the economy.
1: Well Bishop uh, Joe Sioka thank you so much and uh, Bishop Sioka is at Wits University has been instrumental there in trying to broker some sort of negotiation between students and the university administration and uh, we'll try and uh, catch up with him again later uh, maybe on the other shows as well, Midday as well as PM Live. Uh, In the meantime we're going to cross over now uh, to our reporter on the scene, Sachin Naidu Sachin good morning, Um, can you just uh, describe for us the picture that that you are faced with this morning at Wits University.
3: Hi, good morning. Well, as we speak, it is quite tense here at the main campus in Bramfontein where a large group of over 100 students have gathered in front of the Great Hall and are currently protesting as we speak. Also, a large police contingent has been deployed on campus and is keeping a close eye on the situation. Earlier this morning, there were more than 15 sniffer dogs which actually went over the entire campus, you know, sniffing for petrol bombs and uh, so on. And as we speak, a police truck with a water cannon is also stationed in front of the Great Wall and is on standby, you know, to react should the protesting students get out of hand.
1: So, session we know that uh, there were some lectures that uh, had to get underway at 8 p.m. this morning. Uh, have you had any word as to whether some of those lectures did actually proceed?
3: Yes, well, that is correct. Well, many students have been seen, uh, you know, going to their lecture theaters and so on. And at some lecture rooms across the campus, lectures have already commenced this morning. However, the protesting students who are gathered here in front of the Great Hall say they will not let these lectures continue for much longer. They claim that once they get more numbers, they will be marching around the campus and actually shutting down all the lectures. So as the day progresses, it is going to be really interesting to see how the police react to these threats because the students seem quite adamant that they want the academic program to be shut down this morning.
1: So uh, they're talking about numbers swelling uh, as we speak right now. Uh, Can you estimate how many students are protesting at this point?
3: Well as we stand now in front of the great hall we are over 150 students who are currently singing chanting songs and dancing now uh, so they claim that they are going to be mobilizing more students from the other campuses which is in Parktown including a medical and education campuses so they say in the next hour their numbers will increase by more than double
1: Any word at this point from wits university management Well, this
3: university is adamant that they will continue with uh, the academic program uh, today, which is why they brought in a large police contingent as well as a heavy private security uh, contingent. So they say that these uh, police and private security will be on standby to actually ensure that the protesting students do not get out of hand. And uh, they are really saying that they want lectures to go on smoothly today.
1: And Thank you so much for tuning in and this morning we are talking about the hashtag Fees Must Fall protest and we are asking what is the way forward here? Heard from Bishop Bishop Josioka uh, who's been instrumental in trying to broker uh, peace and also broker a way forward there at Witz University and joining us uh, from the Witz School of Social Sciences is uh, Professor Noor uh, Niftahuddin who will speak to us about that and uh, give us his views on the current state of intervention there as well as uh, Eleanor Deploy project leader for the Ashley Creel Youth Program at uh, the Justice uh, the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation, um, Eleanor and uh, Professor Noor, Thanks so much to both of you for speaking to us this morning.
4: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Sakina. Uh, Professor, let me start with you. Mm. Firstly, give us your view on this particular crisis, and and more importantly, how do we move forward from here?
4: Uh, Sakina, I think perhaps uh, we need to acknowledge that we are perhaps in the Uh, deepest crisis facing the tertiary education sector since our democracy. Um, uh, uh, Academics have, over the last few weeks, attempted to uh, bring attention to what we understand to be the uh, underlying cause of the crisis. I should say to you, and you may be aware, that in August uh, we sent out a letter which was signed by 1,300 academics nationally from most institutions Uh, which we sent to the President, uh, to the Minister of Higher Education, and also to the Minister of Finance. And the key argument that we made in that letter, which speaks to the underlying crisis and, and in fact, suggests a solution, um, is that even though we've had significant advances in higher education, for example, that the number of students uh, in higher education has doubled since 1994, um, and the number of black students uh, in the sector is now around 80%, and that's a significant advance. Uh, at the same time, what one has seen is a steady decline of state subsidy to the university budget. So we've had this kind of fundamental contradiction of increase in student numbers and increase in the number of black students and therefore poor black students coming into the system, but the state not providing adequate funding uh, to uh, to support that what is called massification. And what we've said is we require, and this is where I agree completely with Bishop Sioka, what we require is decisive, urgent state intervention. Now, I know that on your show, you've had many discussions about whether free education is possible. Mm. Um, What we've said is that the state subsidy uh, now stands at about 0.75% of GDP. When we look at countries elsewhere, even on our own continent, and comparable economic uh, 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 countries elsewhere in the world, their contribution of GDP to tertiary education is generally over 1%. And we're saying that if the state subsidy were to increase to around 1.5%, and we can have a debate about what it should be exactly, then that would make a significant contribution to easing the financial pain at universities. Because as you know, Due to the decrease in state subsidy, the universities have very few options. They have to increase uh, student fees or get funds from uh, private sources. It's untenable. At our university, which is compared to formerly black universities, better off. We've had to have discussions in our school, in our faculty, and at all levels of the university about where to cut, not appointing new academics. Now, we can't have that. That fundamentally undermines the academic project. We can't have that. Universities cannot solve the problems on their own. That's the point that Bishop Siorca is making. We now need urgently for the state to step up. I think that uh, uh, a week ago when the government called the Imbizo, that the president of the country missed an ideal opportunity to make a very clear pronouncement on what to do. If I were President Zuma uh, at the Imbizo, First of all, I would have stayed there throughout the MBSO, But I would also have said, one, I support free education. Two, that the state commits itself to increase the state subsidy. Three, that the state will not sign the nuclear deal. And third, I would have apologized for Nkandla because Nkandla speaks to uh, wastage in the state, corruption in the state. And you see, the question I think that we have and the question that you're asking is, what do we need to do? The students have tried. And unfortunately what has happened is that the intense conflict has been concentrated at institutions. And the institutions have very little uh, room to maneuver in order to resolve the problem. The university managements can have some wiggle room and they can make some concessions. But the fundamental problem can only be resolved by the state. What I think we need uh, is partly what uh, the bishop alluded to. And I've been thinking that the last time we had something, a, a crisis in education to the extent that we have it now, was in the mid-1980s. And how did society respond? Society responded by convening something called the National Education Crisis Committee, where parents, workers, it, it was mainly at high school, so teachers, so we'd call academics, civil society came together and made a very, very clear statement in, uh, at the beginning of 1986 about how to solve the crisis. It put pressure on the state, of course, that was in the days of the anti-apartheid struggle. I think we need a similar convening where society at large says we have this crisis. We insist that the state resolves the crisis immediately. I think that the state should, in this week, make a very clear statement, because if it doesn't, the crisis will continue. And I think that people will, uh, And you know, at, at our university, and I know my colleagues elsewhere in the country, we are fully committed to completing the academic year. I think that it would be a disaster if the academic year was not to be completed. Mm. We need to reopen the classes, but we can't do that under the present circumstances. As Bishop Sioka said, and as I came into the university, there are dozens of police vans. We cannot teach in conditions of securitization, right? Mm. Now, these are all symptoms of the crisis, and it will continue. You know, students have been protesting not only since 2015 with fees must fall. If you look at what has happened at the formerly black tertiary institutions where the crisis is much deeper financially than they are at the formerly white universities, students have been protesting for more than 10 years. Mm. So students are impatient. They say, we protest every year. There's a cycle of protest at the beginning of each year and at the end of, uh, 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 of the academic year, there are protests. So I think one also needs to understand that students are impatient. They're saying, yes, if we go back, then the government say, we will talk. Then we'll have the same problem next year. And therefore we must understand the impatience of students. That doesn't mean, by the way, that we agree with every tactic that the students have deployed in their struggle, but we have to understand where that impatience comes from and why they're saying, we don't believe the government when it says, we are committed to to, to implementing over a period, the free education to the poor. Or the government says that NISFAS is, in fact, free education. It isn't. It's a loan system. When the government says, give the commission time, the students are saying, when you look at commissions in this country, they never provide solutions. So I I think that what we require now is for the country to stand up, to say to the government, you must, in this week, as soon as possible, make a very clear pronouncement in order to get us out of this crisis. That is where the solution lies. Mm.
1: An interesting place that we find ourselves at this crossroads now because where it seems that students and uh, the institutions are in agreement that they actually do not want to lose this academic year. But where the divergence comes in is where students are saying, Unfortunately, government only listens to us when, you know, uh, when students are not attending class, when there is this threat of the academic year actually being lost. Should we go back to class, uh, it may actually allow government to once again drag its feet on this particular matter. And uh, this is what we are talking about now. Where to from here what should be the way forward in this hashtag Fees must Fall Impasse? And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll also uh, get word from um, our other guest, Eleanor Duploy uh, from the Institute of Justice and Reconciliation, about her views on how to move on.
0: The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind
5: them.
1: And talking hashtag fees must fall and asking this morning, what is the way forward? What needs to happen now? And also keeping an eye on developments elsewhere as uh, some uh, institutions hope to return uh, to normality this morning. And at Fitz University, we have a reporter uh, right there on the scene to keep us abreast of developments there. So, as uh, Sasha Naidu was reporting earlier, it seemed as though some of the lectures uh, that were meant to start at 8 this morning have gone ahead. But but uh, we'll hear if anything happens there, because students have vowed to disrupt those uh, classes. And uh, speaking this morning uh, to, uh, to Professor Noor, uh, who is from the VIT School of Social Sciences, as well as Eleanor Duploy, um, who is a leader for the Ashley Creel Youth Program, uh, which is part of the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation. Now, Eleanor, what is your view on this? Good
6: I think that um, there's a definite need for a critical um, national-level discussion about access to higher education in South Africa. Um, and the reason for this is because um, the ongoing protests and, and all the related um, action at universities across the country um, don't only point to fee incremental state-funded education, but it also um, brings into question um, the issues of the systems of inequality that have remained um, and continue to impede equal access to opportunities. Um, and I think also that um, what, this, what the Feed Must Fall protests and all of the actions um, should encourage South Africans to question um, what the role of higher education is, um, for whom it is available, um, but also at what price um, this is available. But I think also another thing is that um, that all current students, whether they are directly involved in Seas Must Fall or not, have a common goal of pursuing higher learning and the economic benefits that come from that. So students should also take time to reflect on the ways in which um, they, uh, their positionality and how um, the advantages that they have, um, including levels of education, uh, race, class, access to power and resources, um, et cetera, how that can be used to support a, a broader transformation agenda. Um, but I want to also just echo what Professor Lear had said um, about the problematics of having um, private security officers and the high presence um, of... of you know, the high militarization of, of university campuses and the effects that that has, um, this, these images can contribute to, um, I think, a breakdown in trust um, and also an unwanted escalation of violence. Um, and then what happens is, is this this has the effect of inhibiting uh, critical, reflective and dialogue. Um, and I think I just want to reiterate that, um, you know, the cost of reliving plain to historical community associated with, like, the deployment of private security companies shouldn't be underestimated, um, and that these negative symbolism is likely to provide um, further reasons for students to continue resisting and disrupting. So I think in efforts of, of trying to find a uh, common ground and, and trying to um, increase uh, positive communication between management, between students, Um, This is one of the things that that, that universities are going to have to look at. How do we respond um, to protest this action and how do we rather encourage, um, you know, the development of avenues for for deeper engagement um, that doesn't exclude voices from the debate? Um, I think one of the things that that students now can do is um, through this action, they've shown that they, they, they know what it is that they want, they've identified the problems, but also um, we've seen that they have the power um, to have South Africans sit up and listen um, to these very really real demands that they have. So um, what, what I think is that students should now engage um, with institutions responsible for making substantive decisions about higher mm. education, policy allocation, um, but also that, um, that university management um, and staff, et cetera, support students um, in these efforts.
1: And speaking of being heard, which has become part of the problem here that students have actually put forward, and I want to quote what they said. Um, The students have come out saying that because we are powerless beyond us protesting and putting our bodies on the line to demand free decolonized education, uh, this is what we have to do. But did it really have to come to this, uh, Professor?
4: Uh, no, I don't think so um and again um I think the the quotation you've just read out is very powerful um because students do feel uh like other sectors of society uh and 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 your your listeners will know that we've had waves and waves of what people call service delivery protests, and there's something very similar playing out where you know poor marginalized people feel that those who are in power, particularly government is not listening to them, not taking seriously their demands. And I think we're seeing something very similar playing out here at, at universities. Uh, and as I said earlier, has already played out, particularly at formerly black universities. But I don't think that we needed to have come into this position. And it, it really does speak to the lack of political will by government to deal decisively with these issues. You see, when... Uh, the Minister of Education of Higher Education and other government officials are questioned about the crisis at universities. They point to NISFAS, they point to uh, increasing access by uh, poor black students. And there's no doubt that we have made advances. But it does not appear, in my mind at least, to be a sufficient recognition of the depth of the crisis, which is not a new crisis that has been going on for several years. And it is only when the students protest in the way that they have protested that those are in power will listen. Our university administrators say to us in discussions we've had with them that they have been raising these issues with government for many, many years, that when they, each year when, the, when state subsidies decrease, they complain and they say it is untenable. So it is not as if government is hearing this for the first time. And what we have seen, though, is that the students have... Reach the point where they say, no more, we cannot continue this way. And in fact, I would say that the universities agree very profoundly with that. Of course, it's disagreement about how one proceeds in terms of persuading government uh, to address these questions. But I think that, um, uh, to reiterate the point I made earlier, that you know, university administrations have made this point, Students have made this point very powerfully and very bravely by putting their bodies online. What we need now is for the rest of society to, to say, in the way we did you know, more than 10 years ago around HIV AIDS, when there was also a crisis of government not listening, of denying the extent of the crisis, civil society and the public at large came together and said, no, you have to change. We are insisting we mobilize and we were able to effect change in government. I would say that we are at a similar crossroads, to use your words, as we were around HIV-AIDS, you know, more than 10 years ago. And it does require now for the rest of society to stand up. And people may disagree. They may say, you know, they disagree with this or that tactic by the students. But I'm assuming that the vast majority of people will agree that higher education, like basic education, is a fundamental right. It's a public good. Mm -hmm. And we have a collective responsibility as uh, South Africans who stand up and say that we want to protect this right, we want to protect this public good, and we are insisting that government takes decisive action as urgently as possible. Mm.
1: But one of the, uh, the problems that has arisen, like many other things in South African society, is that this has now become Politicised. Um, here's a tweet that I mm-hmm. want to uh, put to you, uh, Eleanor. First, uh, it's from uh, Celine Dele Sitole, who says this discussion is the highest form of ignorance because we are preempting the Hearer Commission, and it's pointless. Now, the Hearer Commission in itself has also become a point of contention, uh, given that you know they are only meant to make their uh, findings uh, to the president next. June, I think it is, um, next year. And the students, as we can see, are already impatient. So uh, maybe you want to respond to that, Eleanor. Yes, I think that um, as
6: as Professor Lord said, um, these aren't issues that are that are new. These are uh, things that um, universities and also students have been protesting against and talking up against for a long time. But I think also just the way in which um, uh, the response from from uh, government and state has been to kind of um, just respond when things reach a certain. And I think what needs to happen is that there needs to be a more concerted um, effort and display of showing that that they actually um, want to engage with students and they want to hear what students are saying um, in a very real way. So I think what needs to happen is there needs to be um, spaces created for a multi-stakeholder dialogue because um, through these kinds of dialogue that include um, a wide range of role players, students, student leadership, but also people with general also to be included in these conversations because these are going to be um, effective means of upending racism and also improving um, the conversation and deepening um, that conversation. But as as long as students feel like um, their opinion um, is only an add-on to a, a conversation that's been happening or decisions that are being made, then then they're going to be distressed, um, and and it's going to be hard for for the state for government to to convince students that they actually take. Um, take their demand seriously and, and see the need for, for real uh, change and transformation within higher education. So just the way in which um, the students has been happening needs to change. Um, and it shouldn't uh, it be seen or uh, be handled as an add-on um, to decisions that are already made.
1: Mm. and then, then I want to throw this one from Jacques uh, at you, a professor says some students are paid thousands of rands to cause havoc at university campuses and and, and this is the politicization I was talking about of this particular movement
4: uh, Sakina, I, I don't think that we should be surprised that protests are politicized, uh, we live in a, a a country that is intensely political where political contestations are the order of the day so I'm not surprised but I think that you know, part of that narrative, uh, you know, fits in with this notion that there is a third force behind the protests, that there are political parties that are, you know, manoeuvring behind the scenes. Now, it may well be that there are uh, such things happening. I should say again from the vantage point of its university that uh, even amongst the students, there are competing political ideas, Mm. uh, competing political formations, uh, you know, linked to party politics, but also autonomous of party politics. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, after all, it's a university. You should expect there to be competing ideas and intensely competing ideas. I think that the problem for me in that narrative is when people say, as the Minister of Higher Education has repeatedly said, that there's a third force behind what is happening. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that, you know, does a couple of things. First of all, it, it deflects attention from the real problem. It tries to shift the responsibility away from the, addressing the underlying causes. And, of course, it is very dangerous. It tries to criminalise the protest tries to criminalize and undermine the the legitimate demands that are coming out of the universities. And I want to reiterate that these demands for increased state subsidy for free education is not only a demand of students, they're making it most vocally and most powerfully, but uh, at at, at which university, before the assembly was, uh, was postponed, The draft statement made uh, made it very clear that the university supports the idea of free education. Said that free education is a possibility. So, that is not the third force. You know, Adam Habib is not part of a third force. The students are not part of a third force. These are legitimate demands. If if, if I could just comment on the the commission, I I Mm -hmm. think that we need to recognise that people in society are deeply sceptical about commissions. We've just gone through. You know, a couple of years okay. of the Marikana Commission. At the end, yeah. people were deeply disappointed. There's a long tradition in South Africa of the governments uh, convening commissions when there are crises, instead yeah. of acting, showing political will, and acting decisively to resolve the the the, the, uh, the particular crisis. I am very skeptical that the year commission will come out with a solution that will fundamentally address uh, the crisis that we have. We know what the crisis is. We know what needs to be done. I don't think that we need a commission to tell us what should be done. The question is how can we increase the state subsidy from where it is at the moment to universities to around 1.5% or whatever the most appropriate figure is. I don't think we need a commission for that. We need the state, we need national treasury to say to us we've done the work We've done the calculations, and I'm not saying that this is an easy issue. I'm not saying that there are easy decisions to be taken, but that's why we have a Department of of, of Treasury, a a, a National Department of Finance. We've got the experts. They must do the work. The students have submitted a blueprint for how they think free education can be achieved. Now, we may quibble with the details of that, but work is being done. So I would not spend the money on a commission – but rather spend the time and energy putting the best minds that we have in government, in civil society together to say, how do we implement free education? How do we ensure that the state subsidy is increased? Those are the questions that need to be answered quickly. And I believe that if the state were to make an announcement tomorrow that, one, they support free education, that they will increase the state subsidy, and will implement these in the next few months, year, or two years, the vast majority of protests, if not all of them, will die down. Because students may say, we want free education now. But when I listen to them in their meetings, what they are saying is, we want the government to commit itself to free education. We want a clear plan, then we will go back. Why? The, the, the key question South Africans must ask is, why is the government not answering that question?
1: Well, and we're talking about how do we move forward? 891 Sianda in Kwatunguza, good morning.
5: Yes, good morning. Just a few issues. First of all, I, I, I have a, t- a child at the University of Natal. Uh, mm. the, poly- the, the funding policy uh, uh, introduced by Blade mandate is correct. It's correct to say that we must not fund the rich, let us fund the poor uh, 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 students rather than the child of Oppenheim, Kuptas, uh, and Kulubus uh, and room. I, I'm raising that because part of the wrong narrative regarding this uh, student must fall campaign that we support is, is, is de-emphasizing uh, the issue of class, that we want uh, uh, the, the government to subsidize only the poor students. Secondly, we must not think that President uh, Zuma uh, will come with the only solution He's concerned about the cultures of his family. But we must demand that we reduce the cabinet. Members of parliament, members of the members and, and councillors are getting free education. Some are even enrolled in universities outside the country. What are we saying about our big cabinet? What are we saying about money that is giving to the wives of the, of the president? And therefore, what we expect the ANC to do together with the, with the progressive forces, is to say, here we are reducing one, two, three. Why do we keep our funding that of getting away when we don't have money to ensure that our university subsidies are increasing? Therefore, I'm saying that part of the narrative, let us begin to say, where must we cut uh, in, the, in the government expenditure? So that at the end of the day, we generate that money where, it, where we need the most. Lastly, we do not fund some schools, some high schools and primary schools, because they are affluent parents. What are we saying about that? Are they also going to be getting education? Thanks very much.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Sianda. And and, and uh, very often when we get into that, I always uh, want to remind people that, you see, the, 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 the children of the rich, their fees are paid. They are not struggling to pay fees. Just thought I'd put that out there. Mags Naidu uh, says uh, Treasury has given bailouts of 467 billion to SOEs over the past 15 years. Yet we can't properly fund education. So how how then do you reconcile those? Felix Nelspread, good morning.
3: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I think the only way forward is for all of us, all of us, to be part of this struggle. When I say all of us, I mean. All of us, I am not a student, a medical doctor by the way, but I know the value of education. And it seems the government, who is running the state right now, does not understand the value of education. Education is the only way you empower your people. If you say education is too expensive for God's sake, do you think the alternative is cheaper to have citizens that are not educated? That is why all of us must be part of this struggle. They don't understand this, they cannot understand it. In my own opinion, we are leading, people that are leading us
0: are profoundly retarded.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Felix. Um, Mike, you're in Middleburg. Good morning.
0: Morning, and thanks for taking my call, Sakina. Uh, I think uh, the situation warrants really uh, urgent uh, attention. My view is that uh, first and foremost, there must be a road map for free, quality education, inclusively, not only limited to tertiary. And uh, there must be a framework within which uh, terms of reference, modalities, timeframes, and uh, everything that uh, pertains it, you know, it, it can be clearly defined and agreed upon. Obviously, it will take a lot of reprioritization Uh, utilization of finances and all other resources, you know, cost effectively and efficiently. But when all is said and done, it must be accredited that tuition must continue because uh, I don't believe that uh, all uh, peacetime heroes would want to see education uh, in higher institutions collapsing until the demand for free quality education at tertiary level is met. It would be unpatriotic for any uh, person who claims to be an activist uh, to put that as a demand. It must not be a demand, uh, but yes, a a demand for free quality education, much as it is uh, uh, not insurmountable but the tuition must continue.
1: Mm. Is it not unpatriotic to have forced children to this stage where they have to be actually protesting in order to demand what most of us would think is uh, is something that should reasonably be provided?
0: Uh, absolutely. But now that it is happening, uh, Sahina, now that uh, we are all called upon to step up and be patriotic as parents, as civil society, we should say, here is a framework, here is a roadmap, let us agree, let us put timeframes. And as we do that, we make sure that uh, the timeframes and the roadmap will be adhered to, but then again, we cannot lose uh, the remainder of the academic year. Because if we do that, what it means is that uh, we actually suspend uh, progress and prosperity uh, until further notice, you can imagine uh, how this country would be like. Uh, without education.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. In Middleburg, Mfana Boy MCB uh, says on Twitter, last year around this time, students went to parliament, uh, protests about hashtag fees must fall were in full swing what has happened between then and now i am uh, tibo Tzot says um, our government never is never proactive here we go once again prof is making a lot of sense students are uh, barking at the wrong tree but it's a just cause and it must continue uh, zakima tebula says south african government um, doesn't listen to peace they only hear the violent acts of uh, people etods etc so students must fight to get what they want uh, dr soli khatle says Students' demands are genuine. Government must respond instead of reacting and let them increase the subsidy to make fees affordable. The President and che- uh, Treasury need to meet the student leaders and vice-chancellors to f- uh, to find common ground. Um, and then uh, Kim uh, Walmark says, VITSIs across the board agree that something must be done now, but uh, please don't sacrifice the academic year. Language of conflict and secur- uh, securitization needs to change to a language of sincere negotiation on all fronts. Just some of the comments coming through. And then I have about half a minute each for the two of you, Eleanor and Prof, to just wrap it up for us. Your final thoughts, Eleanor?
6: Um, Yes. I'm I'm so glad to have heard some of the the opinions from everybody else, and I think that um, that I I support that. And um, what needs to happen is that we need to continue having these conversations. I think um, one of the things that, that for me, um, the benefits of this is that it's opened up conversations about a lot of things not just the, the fees and the fees instruments, but it, it, it speaks about how do we see education and the role of education in South Africa, and also what is the role of South Africans um, to, to, to further this cause, um, and how do we how do we encourage um, more conversation and also creating spaces where, where we can have these conversations in order for us to kind of um, come together and think about um, finding lasting solutions. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing for me is um, that there needs to be decisive action from from government they need to take a stand instead of um, just being um, reactive to, to be proactive in this um, um, and also to show a genuine interest in, in what the students are saying um, but but just lastly I I think that this is a just cause um, and we continue to support um, students in, in requests for equal access to education.
4: Professor Noor? Um, I, I, I think, I, uh, first of all, I, I endorse those comments. I think that your uh, callers have made very important comments and have contributed to the debate around whether there should be free education for all or only for the poor, and I think those are important debates to have. I'd, I'd say that uh, what we need to uh, reaffirm very strongly is that uh, uh, public education is the right Education is a public good, basic education and higher education. So when students call for free education, uh, it may be that the university students are the most vocal, the loudest, but that demand should also extend to basic education and, of course, other public goods like health and so on. And I think that uh, it is imperative now. I, I, I am dreading, I'm sitting in my office and I can hear the police, I can hear the students, I'm dreading the future of our universities Um, I fear that uh, we may not get out of this impasse, but we can. And it's really, the the ball is now very squarely in the court of the government. And I think that we need to call very clear on the government in the next 48 hours to make a very clear pronouncement on free education and on increasing the state subsidy to universities so we can protect. We have very good universities. We have high-quality universities, high-quality public universities we need to protect those and improve them over the next period so that the majority of our uh, young people, well, mainly young, poor black people, mm. can benefit from a, a free quality, uh, and as the students would say, decolonize education.
1: That's where we have to leave it. Thanks to our guest this morning, Professor Noor and also Eleanor Duploy, uh, uh, Bishop Joe Sierko spoke to us earlier and to you for your fantastic partiz- participation as always and to the production team. Thanks for making sure it went out loud and clear.